This podcast is brought to you by Western Reformed Seminary, the Reformed Seminary of the Great Pacific Northwest. Hear more at the conclusion of today's program. This is Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Most of us just take our course that we teach here in the United States and go over there and teach it there, and it often really doesn't impact them the way that it should. Hello and welcome to Theology on the Go. I'm Jonathan Master, joined as always by my friend and co-host, James Dolezal. James, how are you today? Jonathan, it's great to be here, and I'm, I'm looking forward to today's guest. I am too. He's someone that I have the privilege of seeing on a regular basis. He's a professor here at Greenville Presbyterian Theological Seminary. And so I, I get to rub shoulders with him all the time. But as we will hear, he has he has served in all kinds of very interesting environments in the past. And we're here to talk to him really about that. We're here to talk about theological education in the third world. So Tony Curdle, thanks for joining us today. Well, thank you for having me, uh, Jonathan. I appreciate the invitation. Oh, no, it's it's our pleasure. And so, Tony, I wanted to begin by introducing you to our um, our listeners in an even fuller way. Could you give us a little bit of your own background and experience teaching uh, theology and, and also preaching, I know, but teaching theology in what we would think of as, as a third world setting? Right. Um, well, I served as a missionary for the Orthodox Presbyterian Church in uh, Uganda, East Africa, for nine years. And during that nine years, we I had the privilege of working um, with the church there to start a uh, theological college, uh, which involved building the building all the way up to developing the curriculum, uh, having to learn to teach theology in that context, recognizing that they didn't have a Western background, basically the way most of us have been trained. I've also for nearly 21 years have been teaching intensive courses uh, at the Theological College in Addis Ababa for the Reformed Church in Ethiopia, as well as teaching um, intensive courses in Kenya for the African Evangelical Presbyterian Church in Kenya. Uh, also teaching intensive courses in uh, Colombia uh, for uh, some congregations down there, and then uh, taught an intensive course in Hungary. Uh, have been to the Philippines as well as Korea, and so my experience there has been all the way from the ground up, uh, building the, literally the ground up, building the building, developing the curriculum, teaching uh, the students, and then after they graduated, I part of my job was to go out with them into the field and help them to do church planting. Uh, so that's how I spent many years until I came back here to uh, Greenville Seminary to begin teaching here. If I could ask a question about yes, that, sir. you mentioned earlier in your description, uh, and the third world is a somewhat, probably a moving target somewhat, but usually it entails uh, a certain maybe educational background, a little different uh, than ours in the West. And I thought from that perspective, just teaching, even teaching Christian doctrine, for instance, so much Christian doctrine and the way we speak about it, both in our creeds and in our confessions and the historical debates that have shaped and forged our theological vocabulary. Um, what are, maybe you could just talk about how do you transport or how portable is that 
into a third world context? How do you communicate those truths when there's this kind of disparity of grammar, uh, so to speak? Well, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. I mean, think about how philosophy has impacted theology in terms of the terms that we use to convey our theology. And it's a uh, Western philosophy, which when you're in most of the rest of the third world, uh, they don't have that, that background. So for me, it was putting myself into the culture situation and basically learning how they spoke about the general same concepts that we speak about, what terms they, they learned. So not only were they going through a process of learning theology as they were learning, but I was going through a process of learning a vocabulary uh, to teach them that philosophy. To give you, for instance, most of our apologetics, one of the courses I teach here is basically steeped in Western philosophy. Well, everything's animistic in Africa. So basically, I had to, to learn the language of an animist to see how they translated the same things that we see in life into their own concepts and into the way they communicate, and then take that and develop that into a curriculum so that what I was reflecting with wasn't Western philosophy, but all the animism uh, that they had developed, and it's a very highly developed world and life view, uh, that they had developed to communicate the gospel uh, in that way. So really, all of our um, uh, curricula has to go through that kind of transition uh, if you're going to be effective. And, and in some sense, it's one of the reasons why I'm such an advocate of, of building schools and actually doing theology down there, even over the short term, even though I've done those kinds of intensive courses, because most of us just take our course that we teach here in the United States and go over there and teach it there. And it often really doesn't impact them the way that it should. I was, the term I had in mind, I thought, what do you do? I'll just give you a, a, a for instance. What do okay. you do with homoousios? Um, I mean, I'm sure there's some something in their way of thinking about reality corresponds to substance or ousia. Uh, right. And my, my thought was, how do you how, how do you trans translate that orthodoxy um, in that way? Right. Well, it, it again, it's the same thing that, you know, in some sense, it's the same thing that you do when you're trying to explain it to your young children when you're going through uh, the catechism. OK, so you're you're right. looking uh, for those kinds of things so that that basically when I say, you know, we we recognize there's a sameness in species that is different than, say, a human being and, and looking at that. And so when we say they're of the same substance, what we're saying is that Christ has the same as the second person of the Trinity has the same substance uh, as the father, that there is no difference in in terms of of substance in 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 that way. So you just you know, use things like that um, in the same way you would explain it to, you know, to younger children, recognizing that they don't have the Greek background uh, and Latin background to know all the theological terms uh, in basically doing that. Um, on the other hand, there's just some terms that you just teach them and you teach them the meaning of that term and they would incorporate that term into their theology because they don't, um, they don't have a word or they don't have that particular concept that, that they've ever been taught. So you, you basically teach them uh, a new word and, and a new concept that's been added mm -hmm. into um, uh, their vocabulary. And then they, you know, uh, begin to use it as, and teach their congregations that, that same way. Tony, when you 
first arrived, let's say in Uganda, I know you you were you were you were there for for some time and you were actually on the ground full time. You know, it was when you were building the building the buildings and doing everything um, from beginning to end. What were some of the major um, theological uh, problems or or uh, needs that, that were there. I, I'm sure this changes over time, uh, depending on where you go. I'm sure it's slightly different in Uganda from Ethiopia. But, but what are some of the great, great needs for good teaching in some of the areas that you've been able to minister? For instance, I've heard people talk about particular strands of false teaching right. that have reached into um, Africa or, or particular, um, you know, perennial perennial challenges that you're having to, to to face up to that might be a little bit different from from the the way it is on the ground right here. well basically being an animistic society for most of those countries in the third world Pentecostalism charismatic movement uh, those kinds of movements tend to theologically fit better with their animistic philosophy and world and life view than, than the more traditional approaches that we have as Orthodox Christians in, in that particular context. And so there's a lot of that in terms of, in, in some sense, what's happened with a lot of Christian teaching there is when many of those proclaim Christ, Christ gets viewed as just another witch doctor but has more power than all the rest. Like he's the, the big mm. witch doctor. And so basically they don't change their world and life view in that sense. They don't come to see life differently. They've just added another, another witch doctor, another person that they can call upon or look to uh, who's supposed to be able to help them. Uh, for instance, one of the things that, that happened because of some of the groups that came in while I was there, they came in, they were going to do evangelism, and they they used the wordless book, you know, the page with the black, that your heart is black in sin, and then, you know, the red page, it's washed in the blood of Jesus, and the white page, you're whiter in snow, and on and on. Well, what they found is everybody threw um, their booklets away. As soon as you'd hand it to them, they'd walk around the corner, they'd throw it away. So the next time that group came, they brought beads and they put beads on a bracelet and they gave it to him. Well, all the Africans did, uh, at least in the context where I was, was saw that as another amulet. And so they had all of the different amulets from their witch doctors on their arm and they would almost use them like rosaries uh, to fight off or ward off whatever, you know, particular spirit. So in some sense, a lot of the education was undoing that kind of mentality and then helping them to, you know, to basically uh, see what the scripture teaches about what a biblical world and life you actually looks like. It sounds like at the heart of that, you're still you're still dealing with um, what constitutes the creator creature distinction. Yes. Uh, why? Why is God not just in a series with other beings? He's just the most amazing one in it, but he's really not in that series at all. Right. Um, and you're working on you're working at that, especially in an animus uh, society. Yes. Yeah, very much so. I mean, it's and 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 again, their whole view of the spiritual world is just basically people who have gone on uh, and are in the spiritual world, and and basically, so they're the ones that still control uh, everything, and and so technically, they are no different than us in that sense. It's just that they don't live in this life any longer, but they still have 
tremendous power and influence in this life for good or for ill. Tony, let me kind of turn it around and ask this. When you were there, um, you know, you're, you're trying to understand their culture, understand their vocabulary in order to uh, share gospel truths and, and, and share a, a biblical worldview with them. Were there, are there elements of the cultures to which you've been exposed that, that have helped shape your understanding as you come back and teach in this context? Because you have a unique perspective in that you've, you've taught here for many years. You've taught in, in, throughout the world in other places where the culture is really different for many years. So are there things that you've sort of brought back or, or insights that you've become more aware of as a result of having taught in a very different context than our yeah, own? Yeah, well, I, I guess in some sense, what it, what it, what I would say in one perspective, it highlighted even the differences in our own cultural context and the way that we've been brought up here and, and even in different parts uh, of, let's say you're pastoring in different parts of the country. Um, you have to know the particular culture that's there um, you have to know, use illustrations in, in your teaching, in your preaching that they're familiar with. Uh, I pastored 11 years in Southern California. So in my preaching there, there was lots of nautical illustrations, the beach, those kinds of things, where certainly when I was in Uganda, East Africa, none of those illustrations worked anymore. And so basically I had to, you know, I sat down and, and you know, looked and said, okay, so what are you know, what are the illustrations for the truths there? Or when I came back here and teaching students and realizing that even in that sense, in the classroom here, I've got students in the classroom that come from all different parts of the country. So they see things a bit differently and try to use the illustrations, try to connect with them in their particular context to help them, uh, help them learn. Um, I had Dr. Gaffin when I was in seminary at, at um, uh, Westminster in Philadelphia. And one of the things I always appreciated about his lecturing was he said everything in four different ways. And if you didn't get it in the first way, you got it in the second or third, or maybe even in the fourth way. And in some sense, that's what you're learning to do. You're learning like I had to really ask myself the question, am I connecting with my audience here? Um, and I asked that same question here. And what can I do to, to better connect with them uh, in this particular context? And, and I would even look at it in terms of talking about students, you know, we, we talk about millennials or whatever the case might be, you know, learning to speak their language, learning to, you know, to, in that sense, see, per, see things from the perspective that they see things and not from my own generation's perspective, being able to, to look through and uh, having done that, having uh, to really think about that has helped me, I think, uh, here in, in my overall approach to uh, teaching and ministry. I wonder if you could speak about how maybe the church in North America should be thinking about theological education internationally. Um, you did your doctorate at Westminster uh, and yet have, have pursued your calling, even as an academic, uh, now in an American seminary, but for many years overseas. And I wonder if you could just make a few comments about the sort of the investment uh, that we who have uh, sort of a glut of riches uh, theologically and resources, uh, both on the internet and in libraries and in various uh, solid schools, how we should be thinking about the, thir the third world or the undeveloped world, right. uh, at least on the financial side, and, and what sort of investment we should be thinking to make 
particularly with regard to theological yeah, education. Well, I think in some sense what what we we need to realize with uh, theological education in the third world is one, you're right, they don't have the resources um, that we have. And so we need to be thinking about what resources would be beneficial to them. Everything we got have here in the United States wouldn't necessarily be beneficial to them. What resources would be beneficial um, to them? And how can we basically get it over there or get them to where they have access to it, which is changing. When I went to Uganda, for instance, um, they didn't even have a telephone. I mean, it was now they've got, you know, internet cafes and Wi-Fi. And, and so things are changing. And so opportunities will open up for students there. But we had to think about how are we going to build a library? But also not only those kinds of things, but the students there, um, they have to, you know, uh, either come out of the village to come to school every day, which is a hardship, or we have to provide an opportunity for them to be able to uh, come to the school and stay at the school for a week and go home on weekends or that kind of thing. Well, that involves dormitories, those kinds of things that we don't generally think about. In other words, you just don't go into town and rent an apartment. Um, you just don't go into town and stay in a hotel. There's no such thing. They're just not there. And so you're, you're looking, you know, at, at those kinds of, uh, of issues that, that um, arise for them. You have to do think in terms of um, the calendar year. You have wet seasons, dry seasons, planting seasons, harvest seasons, uh, all those things. They, you don't just run down to the grocery store and, and buy uh, groceries. I mean, basically, you, you produce your own food. Okay. So those are all the kinds of, of obstacles that, that basically need to be overcome, which generally we don't overcome. I mean, everybody just kind of thinks, well, if we send somebody over there to teach, then that's all we need to do. Or, um, you know, that the students should be able to take care of themselves just like they do here uh, in the United States. And that's what motivates, I think, a lot of the better students to want to come to the States to study, which the drawback to that is we often don't get them back to Africa. And if you've got a constant drain uh, of the good guys going the other direction and nothing coming back, then they remain in the, the lower standard and condition that, that they, they started off in. Tony, we I, I've just been informed that we're out of time, okay. but uh, this is this is such a great introduction for our, our listeners. Are, are there? I want to ask you though, just before we we break, are there particular resources, either books or even you know web resources that our listeners could go to to learn more about what's going on overseas in terms of theological education, and perhaps there are some. Uh, you know, who are in seminary or, or, or are preparing for gospel ministry and perhaps the Lord's calling them. What, 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 what would you suggest for people to read or think about, reflect upon, right. or, or even places for them to right. go? Well, this gives me a great opportunity to do a little bit of advertisement here. Um, the ICRC, the International Conference of Reformed Churches uh, around the world, all the reformed denominations that come together. I serve on their theological education committee. And one of the things that we're trying to do right now is put together all kinds of resources like that because there isn't any. There isn't a lot of places okay. that, you, that you can go. And what we've discovered is all of us working in the different churches and different fields are going, we're not finding this stuff. 
And so we're working on trying to bring that together, the seminaries together with our churches to basically say, how can we do this better? We're in the, in the course of, of doing that right now. So information-wise, let me get, uh, again, back to you, and maybe you can put it out there, a way that they can get on to see some of what we're doing in the ICRC. I don't have it at, at, at my fingertips right now to kind of, as we're building those kinds of things, we're all searching, we're all looking for those kinds of, of resources um, uh, to do this, this very thing. So stay tuned, listeners. ICRC is is working on the one-stop shop to answer these questions. Hey, Tony, thanks for giving us a few minutes of your time today. It's always a joy. Well, good. And thank you very much for inviting me, and I do hope it was profitable. Jonathan, it's great to talk with uh, Tony Curto, uh, someone who's put so many years in on the field and continues to. Uh, though he's with you uh, at Greenville Seminary, uh, he's also he also spends many weeks every year in the classroom uh, in the third world context teaching. And I think he brings a lot of valuable insights based on his experience. Yeah, no question. I mean, he is still in the field. I can, I can testify to this pretty much as soon as our graduation ceremony takes place, he's on a plane and, and headed to, you know, wherever he's most needed. And so he's actively engaged in the work that he was describing to us today. And it is a vital work. I mean, the, the, the encouraging thing is to see how the Lord is really working in, in, in some of these contexts that we don't think about and that have their own challenges for sure. But the Lord is, is certainly building his church through men like Tony and, and others. So uh, I get to talk to him all the time and, uh, and that's, that's a joy, but it was good to be able to spend a few minutes with him today. Agreed. Agreed. Well, we thank you for listening in on this conversation and thank you for joining us as always on Theology on the Go. There may be people that you know who would be helped by this podcast. And so please pass it along. We'd love to hear from you as well. If you have suggestions or topics that you'd like us to cover and perhaps you're able to donate to Theology on the Go or to the Alliance of Confessing Evangelicals. You can do that at alliancenet.org or placefortruth.org. And we'd also like to offer you the opportunity to win uh, what's become really a classic book on missions called Let the Nations Be Glad. It was written by John Piper a number of years ago. But if you want to go to placefortruth.org, click on the Theology on the Go link there will be a, a place for you to enter your information so that you can win a copy of that book. And, and thank you, as always, for listening to Theology on the Go, a brief interview about an eternal truth. Western Reformed Seminary is a Bible-believing Presbyterian seminary in the great Pacific Northwest. Their mission is to prepare church leaders who are spiritually grounded, knowledgeable, capable, and dedicated through solid theological training. Academic degrees such as Masters of Biblical or Theological Studies, as well as the Masters of Christian Ministry, with emphasis in Biblical Counseling, Missions, or Church Ministry. Along with degree programs, students may take a class as a standalone for credit or audit. Although residency classes offer the best learning environment, Western Reform Seminary offers interactive, synchronous classes for students unable to attend in person, as well as concentrated classes in January and May every year. For more information, visit wrs.edu or email registrar at wrs.edu. Western Reformed Seminary.